wait till I get my money right I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven When I woke I spent that on a necklace Welcome back to Range Anxiety Season 2 Episode Epicast 2 And we're back in the saddle For that 30 years of automotive tuning experience In about 30 minutes But it could be a little shorter today In fact this isn't even a Sunday session, this is a Saturday session because I'm actually getting quite ill. It might be my eighth bout of COVID. No, I'm not vaccinated yet, but yes, I am in the queue. Why not? Apparently, they reckon it gives you 5G powers. Hey, I'm up to anything. You know, I, I, if I can stream Netflix in my head just standing there, why not? No, but seriously, I've just got a bit of a man cold uh, gifted to me by the one and the only... Hey, babe. Hey, hey, world. Big poll. We came in to write some scripts the other day. And, oh, yeah, thank you for uh, Kanye there, for Kanye West, the one and only, for that intro track, Can't Tell Me Nothing. We'll get to that in a moment. But, yeah, it's quite a pertinent track. But, yeah, Paul and I got together and we've been writing some intros. And uh, not just intros, but some serious content. And we've actually got a plan now for the next maybe 20 or 30 epicasts and you know we spent a couple of hours together on a Friday afternoon I gave him a lot of great advice and ideas and he gave me like this shit-eating virus thanks Paul thanks Marty yep thanks Paul um yeah no <laughs> I'm not feeling the greatest then I'm sure I sound like shit or even more like shit too but let's get on to the point of can't tell me nothing yeah I've had a couple of weeks like that um I've noticed, you know, standing back and sitting back from the industry a little and, and looking outside in, it's very hard to do when you're as close um, to the aftermarket game as I am, but sometimes you need to step back, take a listen and a look and get some opinions. But I, I've mentioned this before in season one, but the world is definitely becoming a more stupid place uh, post-COVID. People are getting dumber. I think the next generations, I mean, I'm sure every generation says that. I'm sure my parents said that about me, that, that every generation is getting dumber, and they were probably right. So therefore, I'm using the neural logic here that I'm right too. But some of the stuff you come across now um, in this game, having been at it as long as I have, having watched it for 30 years or so, and you know, been there from the coalface of when the first VL Turbo was on the market and, you know, taking them from 5 PSI to 8 PSI and hoopla, <laughs> you know, putting intercoolers on them. Um, modifications become more stupid. The world's become more stupid. And a lot of it is fed by social media, uh, obviously, and self-publishing. Yeah, you're listening to a self-published podcast now. However, I would like to think um, rightly or wrongly that I'm an expert in the field because I've been at it so long and I've got enough runs on the board. Uh, you know, I'm not going to make any glaring errors like I did in um, <laughs> episode one when I said I'd be happy to run a 185 60 foot on tyres in the plaid. No, no, I meant a 185 uh, naught to 100 or naught to 60. So, yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, big Paul caught me on that. Well, Marty, you made a mistake. Yeah, well, there's not a first time for everything, is there? I make plenty. Just hopefully not with your cars. Um, so, yeah, self-publication is making people more and more stupid. One of the most amazing things that I've come across lately, and it, it, 
self-publication has more reach, but everything old becomes new again. Like, for example, I had a uh, peckerhead try and tell me that, you know, his aftermarket dump pipe, you know, he wanted a stage tune, a stage tune, I can't even speak anymore, a stage two, you know, pop, pop, bang, bang, burble, burble, the tune, and, you know, he got one, and part of needing a stage two tune is to use an open um, downpipe to remove any restrictions, so there's more like, the the comes out the exhaust, you can hear it, it you know, uh, so, you know, this guy got a stage, he got his own downpipe, and he said, yeah, is that the right one? I said, well, if you want a dirt dirt car, yeah, that sounds like a turd, that is exactly what you need. So he went out and he bought it. And, you know, and he's not happy with it. Oh, you should have told me that um, having an open downpipe reduces power because you don't have any back pressure. And it's like, what are you smoking, mate? No, I spoke to someone on the internet and they said, I spoke to another tuner. Who? Oh, I don't want to say. So in other words, you didn't speak to anyone. You just looked it up. You don't have back pressure, you lose power. Well, in the old days, we used to counter that point with... Um, stick a bath plug up your ass and try going to the bathroom. Try going, go, try going for number twos. And you tell me that having a bit of back pressure helps. It doesn't, right? But no, nah, the difference is we used to be able to explain things to people because you could factually show them something. But now there's people show, uh, you know, infactually showing something. And many, many people saying, no, you need back pressure to make a, a turbo engine go. No, you don't, you pelicans. Like, but such is the reach and such is um, the, the lack of experience, qualification, education, knowledge or ability that you need to self-publish that this shit gets out there. You know, it's the same way that Flat Earth got out there. Is it, you know, it was just like a deep fake joke that was put out there to see how effective algorithms were. Um, at attracting derp derps to simple principles. And all of a sudden, it's become like a serious thing that people shoot each other over. So you actually don't come and shoot me over it. I don't give a shit if you think the earth is flat. All I worry about is if you know how an internal combustion engine works, if you're interested in modifying one, you get me? Don't come in and tell me that back pressure gives you more power in a turbocharged engine. If that is the case, I can save you money on a downpipe get a big set of stiltsons or a huge set of pliers and squash your exhaust tip flat so it's blocked and you should have a thousand horsepower. Go by that logic. You seem to understand. But anyway, I'm wrong. The guy's pissed with me because 20, you know, pecker heads that have got no idea and have never seen a car before have told him that I'm a jerk off. Well, so be it. And then turbochargers had another one. Guy supplies his own stage three turbo. It's bigger in the turbine. It's bigger in the compressor. Put it on, tuned it, made some good top end. You know, it did kind of what it was supposed to do. And not happy with me. Uh, I've spoken to other tuners and they guarantee me that um, with a bigger turbo, you don't lose any torque down low and you make power up top. That the, that the after line on the dyno should always be above the before line. Well... These, are the, these dickheads have been around for years. They're the sort of people that work in the, the industry that have invented, invented perpetual motion. They're the same sort of people that 
tell you if you put an alternator on the tail shaft of, of or a drive shaft of a Tesla that charges the batteries, you'll never have to charge again because they don't understand basic physics and how energy works and let alone how a turbocharger works. You cannot go bigger without losing response. Otherwise, every single turbo car made would have like a GT60 on it, wouldn't it? And uh, it'd have the same response as a, you know, an old T25 disco potato, but with 3,000 horsepower top end potential. Honestly, it it's so frustrating because you can explain this to people till you're blue in the face, right? And you can give them basic uh, physical rationales and, and explain the actual science behind it, but they're looking at you blankly like you're lying to them because there's some guy on the internet that has told them that what I'm saying is wrong and they don't have to justify or prove it. All they got to do is draw a line. Like, you know, it just doesn't work that way. So, you know, then to add insult to injury, the person goes, well, I, I think you've tuned this wrong because a bigger turbo should never have less torque anywhere than a small turbo. So this guy's guaranteed me that he can give me the result I want. He probably can if he fudges the dyno enough or, you know, does something stupid like that. He'll give him the result. It's what he wants a piece of paper. None of these idiots can drive and none of them compete in anything. So they've got no idea whether the car's faster or slower. Get me? So they want a piece of paper, which I'm not prepared to give them because, you know, uh, the truth will set you free. So the next port of call then is, well, just, all right, um, I know you spent a day working on it, um, I'll just give me my money back. So, well, no, because you've got the correct result. You've got the result that the turbocharger supplier said you would get. You've got the result I said you would get, but you haven't got the result some dipshit who wants to con you on the internet promises to give you. Do you see? So, this is why people are getting more stupid. They're actually, their brains aren't being deformed, or but they're being actually fed on fertiliser, on manure. They're being fed on hopes and dreams, you get me, rather than the actual facts and the actual things that make cars go faster that they don't understand. But more to the point, and here's the difference, they don't want to understand. All they want is the sugar-coated goodness that only the candy shop can deliver. It's like people that fit blower fowls to cars that don't have blower fowls. It's like people that want limiter tunes in diesels, whatever that could possibly be. You know, like, oh, I'm still working it out. I mean, I did post about it on Facebook the other day and there was all sorts of feedback that people were giving me about limiter tunes. I think it was a bit, I don't know, I can't even remember if we covered this in any, any Epicast, but I think it was about being able to bounce a hard cut limiter rather than have a soft throttle cut limiter. Like da, 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 da. Or in the case of most people that want limiter tunes, mang, 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 mang. Yeah, them damn good old V6 boys. Um, versus just a bar held at the limit, which, you know, not a nice soft cut, which is much better for the engine, by the way. Oh, is it better for the engine? Well, yeah. Uh, any hard cut limiter, anything that blows flames, anything that excessively pops and crackles is blowing shit up. Anything that is attractive to the ears 
of the Derp Derp Brigade, you know, is uh, the spuds out there is actually killing your engine. Uh, we did a test a long time ago where we had... Um, do you remember those... Uh, some some of you might remember the old, dirty old VG30 ET single turbo... Uh, single turbo twin cam, I reckon. So it was a VG30 DET. wasn't a D-double-T out of the 300ZS. It was the VG30 DET single turbo. And I think it came... There was, it was a Japan domestic market only engine, I believe. But they actually had pressure uh, transducer washers that went under the spark plugs. So the system was actually monitoring somehow the, this factory ECU detonation, I think, via or cylinder pressure or something via the, the sort of resistive pack or strain gauge type pressure conducive device. And a smart guy I know actually hooked them up. Um, and we did some testing on a Barra right back in the day when Barras were actually still cool before they sort of morphed into the next RB30. They were a thing of their own type. And we found that when the thing, the cylinder pressure, the measurement of cylinder pressure that we could derive from the interface box that was hooked up to these things, the cylinder pressure during a high frequency detonation event which you know rips engines apart better known as machine gun detonation that 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 cylinder pressure was there evident when the thing was banging off a hard cut rev limiter so every time you're going bang 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 on a rev limiter you're actually smashing shit out of the, the pistons and the ring lands bear that in mind obviously with different design engines, uh, it's all going to be a little different. You know, it's, it's going to be worse for some than, than it is for others. And it's the same uh, with excessive popping and banging uh, in the exhaust. Uh, you're, you're skyrocketing turbine temperatures because the way to do it is is to, you know, get enough ignition retard in there and keep the fuel flowing so that when the exhaust valve is open, you're still burning fuel all the way down the manifold, you know, and you'll be heating and driving that turbine excessively. It's, it's a great idea when you're in a competition environment and you're chasing that thing called anti-lag, but it's um, not such a great idea when you're just doing it to be a dickhead. You get me? <laughs> motorsports applications for motorsports environments not the street so that people can go that boy there he got a bad ass popcorn tune yeah nah but anyway you don't really need to listen to anything I say because there's a hundred other dipshits on the internet uh, that self-published, just like me, that'll tell you that I'm 100% wrong. So jam it up your ass, if that's what you think, and don't come anywhere near me, because it makes me very grumpy. Being an old man, I get grumpy when I'm told I've got no idea of the basics. And you know that may be true in some ways, but not all of them. I've been around long enough to have learned something. And I suggest everyone having two ears and one mouth should use them in that uh, proportionate ratio for best results. So what's going on? It's being a Saturday, um, and then yeah, exactly. In the internet, said I'm wrong. Nick off internet. Um, so what's going on uh, up at Pike Peak at the moment? Before us, Pike's Peak International Hill Climb Race to the Clouds. There you go. That's the correct name at the moment because I'm going to sign off fairly early because I'm crook as a dog. 
Do I sound any worse than normal? Probably not, but I feel it. Um, what's going on at Pikes Peak? Well, the team uh, did some testing the Unplugged Performance team with Randy Parbs behind the wheel. He's kept it off the fence so far, and they've been sandbagging hard. I've been looking at their times, and, you know, everyone else has been having a push in qualifying, and they've just been going out there, testing in the wet, on slicks, and then they've been working with Bill Stein, Bill Stein, Bill Stein, away from the track, those wonderful suspension people, uh, sorry, away from Hill Climb itself at Pikes Peak International Raceway doing circuit testing. So I believe they're sandbagging the hell out of this, dialing in shockers, dialing in slide amounts, getting suspension set up right, uh, playing with tyre pressures, yada, yada, yada. And they're going to come out and qualifying in about oh, 12 hours time and set a benchmark. That's what I think they're doing. But, you know, I thought all sorts of things. Uh, you know, I made all sorts of predictions about the plaid that have been totally wrong so far. Like, I thought it was going to have a 4680 battery pack in it, and I was wrong, and thankfully it doesn't, because we need them in Roadster and Semi, and most importantly, Cybertruck. Yeah, that's right, <clears throat> Cybertruck. Other interesting plaid news, because, yeah, now it does give me a bit of a woody. I got one on order. Uh, Pearl White, Arachnid 21s, which I may update to the G-Force, I think they're called 200 mile per hour package rims when they come out. And I've got the white on black interior with carbon. So it looks pretty fat. And you know, I should have it. What am I now? I should have it within the next five years, <laughs> depending on demand. I mean, Australia always get at the back of the queue with Big Daddy Musk. And why shouldn't they? We're a bunch of Neanderthals over here. And all keep the LS and Barrow owners happy anyway when they're not getting absolutely obliterated by a Duracell. Um, but some new interesting information that I saw this morning is, you know, it wasn't going to be long before people were doing uh, some pretty stout sort of uh, testing of these things with some draggy times of 100 to 200. That's kilometres now, so I suppose it's 60 to 120 in 3.84 seconds, which is just mind-blowing fast. Everyone's, ah, Tesla's a fast from a dig, but he got no legs, man. Yep, welcome to Carbon Sleeved Rotor World. I told you these things have got a massive RPM band, uh, the Plaid powertrain, and will spin and make sit on a 1,000 horsepower all the way to Big Daddy's imposed rev limit, which was supposed to be 20,000 RPM, but uh, um, yeah, uh, maybe a touch more under some uh, conditions. Mm, yeah, thanks, Elon. That was my best uh, Elon impression, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be hearing from uh, Tesla's legal department fairly soon. To the moon. Now, yeah, so one gear, not, uh, sorry, one gear, 100 to 260 to 120 mile an hour, 3.84 seconds. The next fastest production kit on the block, I believe, is the 675LT um, Big Mac at 4.1 seconds, which is a fair bit slow. I mean, it's not slow by any stretch, but, you know, Veyron's, Chiron's, 918's, uh, yeah, nah, not even bloody close. Um, a number's a number, but to give you some kind of perspective of how fast that really is, uh, that's like superbike times. That's like leader bike times, uh, from what I can see. And the numbers are, are a bit hard to dig up on the net, but it is breathtakingly fast. So, like I said, the old supercar scare uh, that was here in the 70s when we had a Falcon that would do like a... <laughs> 140 mile an hour uh, was considered so fast they had to be banned. Maybe a car that does 155 mile an hour in 400 meters uh, on its way to 200 mile an hour 
isn't going to last long with Tracy Grimshaw and Chloe talking about how it's going to kill and eat everyone's children. So get in and order one now and hopefully our pollies have a good sense of humour. Um, that you know, but If they ban that, why wouldn't they ban a McLaren or whatever? Because, um, yeah, actually, that's a good good point. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll ban everything and, and a Model 3 will be about as fast as you can get. Or maybe not. But anyway, get in, get one early. I believe the uh, Edition 1 Plaid, which I'm getting, will be a collector's car. I believe they won't depreciate. I believe that, that this insanity of such fast road cars has to stop and we'll stop sometime soon, and I want to be one of the ones that owns the first one. You know, it's, a, it's like owning a Mark One E-Type. They were the fastest of the E-Types, and it's... Yeah, more on E-Types later, by the way. Why would I say that? Not later this Epicast, but in general, but enough for the plaid now. When it comes, it comes. And when I get any more new data, I'll share it with you. Oh, look, I can hear a V8. Oh, look at it. It's going so slowly, too. I love it. At least you get a good, you know, chance to hear that slow exhaust note. Um, so speaking of Jags, uh, they're going to feature prominently in some upcoming epicast. Nothing to do with uh, Tony Ambrosio, Uncle Tones, a rancid a V12 project that he's doing. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of those things, particularly slow, thirsty, gutless, unreliable, heavy, dumb, stupid. So anyway, they were... Uh, icon of their time, but their time was 40 years ago, not, or 50 years ago, not now. But what Paul and I have written, we're going to change the structure of the show a little, not a lot, you know, it's not going to be any shorter or any, maybe a little bit longer actually, but we're going to do, we're going to stand off against each other a little bit more. So there's going to be, um, we're doing one, 10 best engines, 10 worst engines, 10 best looking cars, 10 worst looking cars, and we're going to argue the points of what makes something good and what makes something bad. And we're going to upset a lot of people. And I'm going to surprise you with some of the things that I come up with. Um, if anyone has my a guess that what I'm going to put down as the best looking car made, and there doesn't have to be many of them, right? If anyone wants to have a guess at what they think I'm going to vote as the best looking car, email it through to DTEC, D-T-E-C-H, at senet.com.au, email it through, and uh, also, just out of interest, uh, put down what you think, I reckon the best engine ever made will be, uh, yeah, it's internal combustion, it's not going to be the plaid powertrain, it should be, so it is the best engine ever made, but you know, we don't want to make this too much of a, a nerd's energizer broadcast, we do want to you know, have our roots in it. And also pick what I reckon the worst engine ever made is. No, and it's not the V12 Jag. It's down there. Don't worry. I mean, anything that you've got to hang from the workshop ceiling by the cylinder heads to release them from the block certainly isn't something that I would consider to be the weapon of choice for anything other than anchoring a 60-foot yacht. Okay? Sorry, Tone, you're not going to like it, but you like Landau's and... You know, um, thank you too to all of the members of that old LS1 establishment. They call themselves Book Club, and there's about 26 of them, and, you know, um, Jeremy Mack, or Tough, is the leader of the group, and they've been great supporters of mine in this Epicast, and they get it out there amongst every everyone and everything, and, you know, but 
uh, like I said, I've got to be careful what I say when Tuff's in charge because Jeremy Rack, Jeremy Rack, Jeremy Mack is highly connected, highly political, highly influential, and probably one of the most powerful people I know. You'll probably read more about him as part of the ongoing New South Wales lockdown management situation. But anyway, look, thank you for listening to Epicast number two. It probably wasn't of season two, number 102 in total. Well, it probably wasn't the most exciting thing you've ever heard, but who cares? We've had some fun and talked some shit, and that's what Range Anxiety is all about.